Tonight, Greece's deadliest rail disaster, an arrest, a resignation, and the rising death toll after two trains collide. The desperate search in the charred wreckage. A catastrophic collision blamed on human error. Another life lost waiting for care at a Canadian hospital. How sad it is for this patient and their family. And renewed warnings from frontline workers. The state of the emergency department is dire. Plus added brilliance to the northern lights. Such a cool spectacle that you never get to see as an urban dweller. The science behind these mesmerizing moments. Oh my gosh. CTV National News with Omar Sachedina. Good evening, everyone. What should have been an uneventful trip home after a long weekend in Greece turned deadly after what one passenger described as 10 nightmarish seconds. Greek State TV obtained footage of the moment two trains collided, killing at least 44 people, most of them college students. Tonight, protesters clashed with police in Athens, blaming the government, which insisted the disaster was caused by human error. Greece is now in a three-day mourning period. CTV's chief international correspondent, Paul Workman, starts us off. The trains collided with such force and speed, the two lead passenger cars were obliterated. As the regional governor put it, they no longer exist. The search for bodies and survivors grew more intense and frantic in daylight in a jumble of burned out and buckled wreckage still smoldering. The Greek Prime Minister rushed to the scene from Athens where the passenger train originated. We are talking about an unspeakable tragedy, he said, and I guarantee you we will find out what happened. The trains collided just before midnight, one emerging from a tunnel, the other about to enter. Many of the victims were young, college students, heading home after a carnival weekend. The impact sent passengers hurtling through windows as cars jackknifed off the tracks and fires ignited around them. There was panic. It was chaos, he says. Tumbling over, fires, cables hanging down, broken windows, people screaming, people trapped. This is truly sad for Greece, said a choked-up transport minister, who resigned at the end of the day, saying it was the least he could do. The trains were on the same track, racing toward each other for 12 kilometers before colliding. On a rail system with the worst safety record in Europe, nothing works, was the blunt assessment today from the country's head engineer. Officials in Greece are already suggesting that human error was to blame for this tragedy. The local station master from the town where the crash occurred is in police custody tonight, Omar. All right, Paul, thank you. A potential disaster was averted at a Pennsylvania airport. An explosive device was discovered in a suitcase before it was supposed to make it onto a flight to Florida. Security video shows the suspect arriving with two suitcases. When one bag was checked in, it triggered an alarm during screening. Security officers found a makeshift explosive device hidden in the lining. 
The suspect is in custody facing several charges. A wave of poisonings targeting hundreds of schoolgirls across Iran has prompted an investigation. Nearly 30 schools have been affected since November. Many of the students have been overcome by noxious fumes. Some sent to hospital suffering heart palpitations and complaining of nausea. Government officials initially dismissed the incidents. Some fear the attacks are being orchestrated by those who want to shut down schools for women. There is an investigation tonight at Winnipeg's largest hospital after a patient died waiting for emergency care. CTV's Manitoba Bureau Chief Joe Makishan on the latest sign of a system in crisis. A patient relying on care in a Winnipeg emergency department died waiting for it. It happened Monday night at the Health Sciences Centre, Manitoba's largest hospital. But I will say an investigation is underway. Citing privacy laws, Manitoba's health minister would not say more. Neither would the provincial health organization in charge, calling it a potential critical incident that occurred during a one-hour window on February 27th. The death in a Manitoba ER comes on the heels of a very public tragedy in Nova Scotia. 37-year-old Alison Holthoff waited more than seven hours to see a doctor while experiencing excruciating pain in her abdomen. She died waiting for help. New information reported by the Canadian press shows a 24% jump in emergency department deaths in 2022 in Newfoundland and Labrador. And last week, the Toronto Star reported emergency departments across Ontario were forced to close 158 times in the past year, often because of insufficient staffing. The state of the emergency departments is dire. This doctor says the closure of some clinics and ERs in Winnipeg has led to overcrowded emergency rooms and overworked staff. It's an unsafe experience for many patients and it is a terribly difficult place to work. The Manitoba Nurses Union says most nurses are working 16-hour shifts three to four times each week and warned provincial officials a tragedy was inevitable. How sad it is that, that you know, this patient's life ended the way it did in an emergency waiting room. But my second thought was how sad I am for those nurses because they have been voicing concerns for a very long time, many, many, many months, uh, that they are afraid that something like this would happen. The province is attempting to recruit more than 300 nurses and healthcare aides from the Philippines. There's more help for the future, but tonight at this emergency department, wait times are now close to nine hours. Omar. Joe Makishan in Winnipeg tonight. Thanks. While reducing wait times, one of the goals of a new healthcare deal that today more provinces agreed to in principle. British Columbia and Saskatchewan are the latest to sign on to Ottawa's offer, leaving Quebec and the territories as the only ones left. The $46 billion in new health care funding over 10 years is less than what the province has wanted and is conditional on better data collection and sharing. The family of a Saskatchewan man is on the hook for hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills after an insurance company denied coverage. Louis Lamont suffered a stroke last month while on vacation in Arizona and stayed in an American hospital for three weeks. He was paralyzed on the left side. He was unresponsive. Lamont's family filed a claim with Saskatchewan Blue Cross, but it was denied because of a 10 milligram dosage change in cholesterol medication. Blue Cross is now in contact with the family handling the appeal. A Toronto man faces nearly 100 charges in connection with a sexual assault investigation 
involving children. Police say the suspect created multiple identities on social media platforms to lure his victims. CTV's Heather Wright reports. Police say this man, 31-year-old Daniel Langdon, is responsible for a slew of sex crimes across Ontario, allegedly using the internet and social media to target boys and girls. One alleged incident involved a seven-year-old victim who was sexually assaulted at a Toronto park. Police raided his Toronto home last month after they were made aware of a sexual assault and luring investigation in Thunder Bay. Investigators conducted further search warrants where they located additional devices and information allegedly containing child sexual abuse materials along with evidence of other sexual offenses that took place both online and in person. Police say Langdon used various social media apps along with a slew of different email addresses and would alter his image to look younger. He now faces 96 different charges, including 39 counts of sexual assault and 39 counts of sexual interference. Uh, this is really a wake-up call. Stephen Sauer is with Cybertip.ca, the national tip line for reporting the online sexual exploitation of children. He says in the last five years, they've had an 815% increase in the number of luring reports and are consistently getting at least 100 luring reports a month. For parents, obviously, talking about what luring is, what it looks like, how their kids can avoid it. Um, having a conversation about red flag behaviors, so things like persistence, requests for material, uh, child sexual abuse material. Police in Toronto won't say how many victims they've identified, but they believe there are more out there, both here in the Toronto area and across the province. Omar. Troubling. All right, Heather, thank you. The sometimes glitchy travel app that cost an estimated $54 million will undergo a major review. The Auditor General will conduct a performance audit of ArriveCan, but there's no timeline on when the probe will be completed. The app was made optional in October. The Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation is returning a $200,000 gift from a Chinese billionaire after a report in the Globe and Mail linked it back to Beijing. It comes as China was described as the greatest threat to Canadian elections in a hearing on Parliament Hill. Here's CTV's senior political correspondent Glenn McGregor. The committee is meeting today. MPs were hoping to hear more details about alleged Chinese meddling. How many times was the Prime Minister briefed about Beijing's interference in the 2019 and 2021 elections. But we're frustrated with the vague responses from security officials. The Prime Minister would have been briefed on foreign interference in the elections multiple times between 2019 and 2021 and 2022. No specifics on those briefings, but acknowledgement of a growing problem. Attempts by China and other foreign actors to spread disinformation during elections, especially online. It's more pervasive, it's more aggressive, and the potential for damage uh, to our democracy is, is that much more uh, serious. The Conservative leader says he accepts the results of the last election, but still wants a full public inquiry with conditions. It's one, it has to be independent. All parties in the Parliament must agree on the, who the Commissioner is. Two, it has to be public. We can't simply bury it behind closed doors and have it in secret. But as Jody Thomas explained, any study in public wouldn't reveal much more. A public inquiry will have the same limitations that this committee does in that we cannot talk about national security information in a public forum. The Prime Minister again evaded the topic of a public inquiry. We have an awful lot of mechanisms that are underway right now. 
around uh, determining what kind of foreign interference has happened is continuing to happen. And today, China's response. Stop disseminating disinformation and lies related to China, the embassy in Ottawa said in a statement. Stop stigmatizing Chinese consulates and personnel as to avoid bringing a further negative impact on the China-Canada relationship. MPs on the committee continue their study tomorrow with two key witnesses scheduled. The chief electoral officer who oversees federal elections and the director of CSIS. Omar. All right, Glenn, thanks. The list of provinces banning TikTok on government devices grew again today as the U.S. president got the power to block the app for more than 100 million Americans. Annie Bergeron-Oliver on the clash between security and what some are calling censorship. One of the world's most popular pastimes is now off-limits for even more government employees. British Columbia, PEI, Newfoundland and Labrador rounding out the list of provinces who this week have either banned TikTok or are considering a ban on government-issued devices. That ban makes sense because the TikTok app, TikTok as a social media platform, gathers quite a bit of personal and potentially confidential information. The app, which has more than 1 billion active users every month, is under scrutiny south of the border, too. Today, the U.S. Foreign Affairs Committee gave U.S. President Joe Biden the ability to ban TikTok for all Americans. Congress, though, still has to approve that power. We will all just shift to another platform that allows us to be creative. Though the decision has angered many TikTokers, security experts fear personal information from passwords to photos, location data and contacts could be shared with TikTok's parent company ByteDance, which the Chinese government has a stake in. When people download these programs, they don't appreciate that in fact that they're actually signing away all of their personal information that's inside your device. So what can users do to protect their information? Read the terms of service, turn off location settings, and in some cases, you can install privacy blockers. Once that data is out there, once that data profile of you is assembled, it's very difficult to know what algorithmic decisions are being made based on that data. TikTok hit back, calling the recent talk about bans political theater, and the company urged U.S. lawmakers, Omar, not to censor Americans. All right, Annie, thank you. A two-year investigation by more than half a dozen U.S. intelligence agencies has concluded that the Havana syndrome was not caused by an energy weapon. They reviewed roughly a thousand reported cases of people, many of them diplomats and spies, describing strange and painful acoustic sensations. But the report attributed those to pre-existing conditions and environmental factors. At least nine Canadian diplomats were affected. Only limited information was declassified to support the conclusion. When we come back... A brave battle against a massive fire in downtown Buffalo. Plus, Harry and Meghan evicted from their British home away from home. New signs of the strained relations within the royal family tonight as Prince Harry and Meghan have been asked to leave their home in the UK, Frogmore Cottage, on the grounds of Windsor Castle. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex had said Frogmore would be their home base when they visited the UK after moving to Southern California. The eviction process reportedly started the day after Harry's book, Spare, was published. Imagine going to the grocery store and being told you can only buy a certain number of cucumbers or lettuce or fruit.
That's exactly what's happening in the UK, all because of a national food shortage. CTV's Vanessa Lee on what's causing it. Empty shelves in the produce aisle are a common sight across the UK. Eating healthy has become a luxury. I went for lunch um, and I couldn't find it like tomatoes, cucumber or lettuce. Tim veg, we'll have to make do with them for now until it comes back, hey? Grocery chains like this one are now rationing certain fruits and vegetables. They're limiting the amount of tomatoes, peppers and cucumbers shoppers can buy to three per person. Others have put a cap on lettuce, cauliflower and raspberries. While most can make temporary adjustments to their meals, for others, it's not so easy. As soon as this is finished, in our salad there won't be no tomato. It's unbelievable that this happening in 2023. Italian chefs have no choice but to serve their pizza and pasta without a key ingredient. The shortage makes us to change from tomato-based to wine-based sauces. Because what can we do? We, we have to make a profit. The shortages are being blamed on poor weather conditions in Spain and Morocco, two of the UK's main suppliers. Local farmers with heated greenhouses can no longer fill in the gap as they struggle with skyrocketing inflation. This year it's been made even worse because of the gas price and many growers not planting. It's expected the shelves will remain bare for weeks. The government is holding crisis talks with grocers on how to get them restocked and how to avoid this from happening again. Vanessa Lee, CTV News, London. A tense scene in Buffalo today as firefighters battled a deadly fire at a commercial building. A powerful explosion knocked two firefighters to the ground as they tried to contain the fire. They were okay, but one of their colleagues was killed. Our hearts are heavy tonight with word a member of our CTV News family in Kitchener, Ontario, has been seriously injured while covering a multi-vehicle accident. Emergency responders had set up a road closure near Guelph around the site of a truck and car crash when a sedan drove through it, striking reporter Stephanie Valella. She was taken to a trauma center while witnesses say the elderly driver remained at the scene. We are thinking of Steph tonight, her family and the entire team. Still ahead, influential and inspiring. A historic tribute to Canadian music legend Joni Mitchell. Looking to kick things in a different direction, Canada Soccer is changing leadership, naming five-time Olympian Charmaine Crooks as the interim president. Crooks, who served as vice president, is the first woman and person of color to lead the organization. She takes over from Nick Bontis, who resigned on Monday, following labor disputes with both the men's and women's national teams. Canadian pop star Justin Bieber has canceled the rest of his tour dates. Bieber, who turned 29 today, had postponed the tour in September after he was diagnosed with Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, paralyzing part of his face. But now the remaining concert dates have been wiped from the singer's website, 
with no reason given yet. And a legend in her own right, singer-songwriter Joni Mitchell is being honored tonight in Washington with the Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. Hello, my fellow Canadians. <laughs> the 79-year-old songstress is the first Canadian and the third woman to ever receive the prestigious award for influence and impact in popular music. Tonight's All-Star Tribute featured a number of performances. Previous winners include Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder, and Carol King. And the living is easy. Fish are jumping. Beautiful voice. Congratulations. After the break, explaining the extra epic views of the Northern Lights. Flight diversions are usually an inconvenience, but passengers flying over Iceland and Finland actually thanked their pilots for taking a longer route. That's because they got these first-class views of the Aurora Borealis, with the planes looping around so people on both sides could see the rare sights. The northern lights are also shining across the skies in Canada. CTV's Bill Fortier on why they appear even brighter than usual. The always impressive Calgary skyline, nothing short of spectacular Sunday night when the Northern Lights put on a rare show. So, I mean, what else do you do? You just get your phone out and start recording. Ian McKinnon managed to capture the celestial dance, his video now getting views around the world. It treated us to such a cool spectacle that you never get to see as an urban dweller right in the center of the city. In recent days, stunning and colorful examples of the Aurora Borealis have been spotted across the prairies the East Coast in northern Ontario, and the lights have even been active recently on southern Vancouver Island. So there'll be lulls in the night where nothing's happening. You can just kind of see the dull glow, and then all of a sudden it kicks up, and you can see it dancing. Whenever you get shimmering curtains of light that come and go in the night sky, I think it uh, captivates people's imaginations. Credit for the dazzling display goes to our sun and what's known as coronal mass ejections. This particular sort of storm of northern lights uh, was caused by uh, a couple of uh, very strong, powerful ejections. The energized particles interact with our upper atmosphere, creating light. And the reason we've seen months of active auroras, the sun is ramping up in its 11-year cycle when it becomes most active. And right now we appear to be pretty near or at the peak uh, of the current cycle. It's not just Canada seeing the uptick in unreal views. Alaska is also getting a show. This video was taken in eastern England and an astronaut on the International Space Station posted this photo with the caption, absolutely unreal. And if you've missed the recent displays, keep your eyes on the sky. Several more months of intense northern lights are expected. Bill Fortier, CTV News, Edmonton. Just stunning. That's a snapshot of this Wednesday for all of us at CTV National News. Good night.